Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. The seasons have changed. We have now moved from winter into spring. So as these seasons change, it's a great time to check your get home bag or what we call your GHB. And it's also a good time to check the smoke detector and the fire extinguishers in your home or dwelling. Get home bag. It's one of Mark's favorite things to talk about. Mark, tell us about a get home bag. Your bag may be different than our bag, and but there are some basic things that you need in there. I like the rule of threes apply in these items as well. like three ways to make fire. Mm, okay. This is our three ways. We carry a lighter. We figured out that's just absolutely the easiest way to start a fire. And may I say, we carry the brand name lighters. We've tried it both ways, and we're not knocking the dollar store. We love the dollar store. But dollar store lighter packs are generally an unreliable source, whereas your Bic, your Scriptos, those types of quick lighters are much more reliable and it's worth the extra money you would pay Absolutely. for them. Absolutely, and it's not a lot of money. Not so. a lot. But we also carry matches, and we really don't have a preference on matches other than the wood matches. I miss the old strike anywheres. You seem yeah. to have to have the striker for these. But we carry a lighter, we carry matches, and we carry a ferro rod. Great things to have in your get-home bag. Exactly. So it's a good time to take those out, check, make sure the lighters still have fluid in them, make sure that the matches are not deteriorating. You know, the heads on those things can deteriorate over a period of time, mm. especially if they have any kind of moisture around them, they can begin to deteriorate. Good time to check. And it's a good time to check. All right, same thing with water. Three ways to carry water or three ways to deal with water. You can do a personal water filter like the Sawyer Mini, something that we prefer. You can actually dip up creek water or even muddy water, and you can put that like in a water bottle, like Mm -hmm. a bottled water that's empty, and you screw on that little Sawyer Mini, and it's an instant filtration system. Another way that you can do that is carry Aquafina tabs. I'm sure they're available in other name brands as well. But we're most familiar with Aquafina tabs, and you need to read the directions on those to be exactly sure. I've got the directions there in our bags, and I don't want to quote that right offhand because it's been a little while since I've looked at it. But it's like a couple of tablets per quart of water. It may be one. But then you wait 20 to 30 minutes for that to purify the water. Now, you still need to filter that water through something like a bandana, handkerchief, coffee filter, filter, something like that. And, you know, we carry those in our bags. So the putting the Aquafina tabs does nothing for sediment. You have to filter that out yourself, mind. And when you're checking those, make sure those tabs have not deteriorated over time. And another way is if you're going to boil your water. This kind of goes back to carrying ways to light a fire. 
if you're going to be in a situation where it's going to take you several days, maybe a week or so to get home, you may have to consider boiling some water. And you can actually go to the thrift store, the local Goodwill stores. You can buy a, a pretty decent little pot for like a dollar, sometimes less. We got one our last trip, and it's about four and a half, maybe five inches in diameter, and it was a dollar. Mm-hmm. Little handle on it fits into the backpack very, very well. So you can start a little fire and get you some water, and you can bring it to a rolling boil for at least three straight solid minutes. Right. And to be even extra safe, you can roll that heat down to where it's barely boiling, more like a simmer, for another 10 minutes. You may not have control, but you may not have enough heat to get it to a roll, rolling ball. Right. That's That will so depend. If, if you don't have a rolling ball, increase that time to 10 minutes just to be absolutely safe. Now, there are folks that say once you get it to such and such temperature, it kills all the bacteria. Okay, I'll leave that with them. For me, I don't want to be sick trying to get home, drinking something I'm not supposed to be. So I'm going to boil mine 10 minutes anyway. So, mm-hmm. But again, you need to pre-filter that water if at all possible before you put that into the pan to boil. Another way to carry water, three ways to carry water would be your absolute canteen. You can find those in any outdoors or camping type store or plastic or a metal water bottle. You can go back to those thrift stores and you can actually purchase drinking vessels, you know, like a a stainless steel or maybe some kind of plastic. We actually like to buy the stainless steel ones because you can heat water in those. In the single wall. In a single wall, not a double wall. Use the insulated and we've got clean canteen stainless steel single wall bottles that Mm -hmm. we carry. And we put water in those to start out. Let's go ahead and start out with an extra 28 ounces, I think those are. But keep one of those plastic bottles, the disposable type water bottles as well, because the water filter, the Sawyer, will not screw onto the top of the clean canteen. Yeah, because they're much wider. And we want larger mouth because we may need to be using that for something besides water. Uh, You could have canned soup. One of the things that we carry in our bags is, I think ours are name brand is Lipton, but it's the instant soup. Those little dry packets. Little dry packets Mm -hmm. add water. So you can put your water in the clean canteen get or your pot whatever get it to boiling and then add the dry packet to it and you probably want a little larger than a water bottle you know three quarters of an inch hole in that bottle to drink out all right so let's move on to lighting how are we going to light our way tell us about it well in our bags and we're talking about what's in our bags and what we're checking to be sure that we're ready for the next season we we try to check these seasonally so we carry three ways in our bags now in my particular bag i carry a c cell light it's a very nice light very bright it's a little bit heavy but i think in yours it's double a that is in your bag I carry a C-cell and a double A. You carry, I think, two double A's. And you've got, we both have chem lights in there. Now, if you create shelter, if you have to create shelter somewhere, find a small cave to spend the night in. 
one of these chem lights is good. Break it open, hang it up, and it's good for eight or ten hours to give you light inside. It'll give you light. Doesn't take a lot of light to chase away total darkness. Mm-hmm, that's true. And then we have our EDC lights. Uh, mine is always in my pocket. I think you've always got one in your bag. I think I've actually got an extra in my bag. And then we've got the two that we carry on our keychains. Yes, we actually have type of a nightlight, little small flashlight that is USB chargeable. And so when it gets low, we can actually charge it like we do our phone. Yeah, and these are the Surefires, I believe. Mm-hmm. And when you say little light, it's small, but it's bright. Very it has, powerful. It has three levels on it. And it's bright enough that on full power, it'll only last about 20 minutes on full power. But it'll last like 16 hours on that lowest setting. But that's only about 10 lumens. Mm -hmm. But again, in darkness, you don't need a lot of light to be able to see what you're doing here in the bag or see what you're where you're stepping, something like that. Exactly. So that's the way we go with those. All right. And then we come to food. And food is one of those items in your get-home bag that you do want to rotate. You're going to be carrying some non-perishable things. Protein bars, payday peanut candy bar, as they call that. That's the candy bar of preppers. Oh, I love the payday bar. It's almost an energy bar by itself. Oh, it's it's terrific. You've got the peanuts for the protein. You've got the nougat. Mm -hmm. The sugar, a little bit of carb. Yes. And I love the taste of them. Mm-hmm. Also carrying small packages of freeze-dried fruits. You can carry dried apricots, dried pineapple, dried apple. Those are great. Mixed nuts. Some people like to carry MREs. You can actually purchase MREs at the local Army-Navy surplus mm-hmm. store. And they're actually great. You just pop them open, and they literally are a meal ready to eat, MRE. Right. And perfect to have in a get-home bag. And some of those referred to as heater meals uses a chemical reaction to heat up the food. You just add water to the pack, I believe it is, and it Mm -hmm. will heat. A fireless heating. Exactly. And you just pour it in there, and that chemical reaction heats up the food that's in there. It takes a few minutes to do that. But you can not only buy those at a military surplus store, but you can buy those at Cabela's, Bass Pro, Probably Rural King. And Maybe any place that is pretty serious about outdoor. Or REI is a good spot yes. to look for. And you can always order them online as well. And those things do last a considerable period of time. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about knives. Well, I'm going to let you talk about knives. You're so much more knowledgeable about knives. Well, Although I, I do carry a couple. Yes. And here again, we like three. We like a fixed blade knife, a substantial knife to be able to carry, one that you can work with, one that you can even do a little bit of chopping if you had to. Firewood and shelter yeah, purposes. Not large, but but sticks mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yes. You could do that. You could cut notches to hang a pot or something like that. Now, I carry, personally, I carry a K-Bar, a USMC K-Bar, And this is the original. This particular knife was given to me by a friend of mine many years ago, and he carried it through Vietnam. This was the real deal. Although you can buy the same knife today, and they're just as good, this particular one just has some history and some sentimental value to me. But it's just a a full-tang, fixed-blade knife. This is where I would 
probably stick with non-tactical. Let's don't have a tactical knife. Hmm. Now, that K-bar stays in the bag. It's not something that I'm wearing. It's not being seen. So we're going to talk in another podcast coming up about Gray Man. Let's don't stick out with this great big tactical knife on our thigh. You know, yeah. we're not tactical preppers. We're practical preppers. Right, right. See and what I did there? I see exactly what you did right there. So, so along with your knives. Yes. Now, do you also recommend like a folding type of a blade? I carry a fixed blade in the bags and I carry my Jim Curtis fixed blade EDC. Now, it's not for chopping or anything. It's just a an everyday utility knife. And I carry a folding knife in my left pocket, spring-assisted folding knife there. And I also carry a pocket knife. So generally, I have three knives on me, and they serve different purposes. Pocket knife is for small stuff, you know, little little things that you need to do. The EDC is for bigger stuff that I need to do, cutting rope, what have you, and the fixed blade is more like a camp knife. I can use it for chopping small wood. I can use it for, I'd hate to do it with this particular knife, but I could dig with it if I had to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's just a number of things there. Now, you probably want to carry some type of sharpener in there. And this is not the place to carry a big Arkansas stone. No, you know? we, those, that's just for the, the home or the shop. That's not for carrying. And all we're trying to do is, if I did use that blade, had to use that blade for digging, then it's a way to repair that edge. So a small stone, some That's of the like K- a whetstone. Yes, that? some yeah. some of the K bars that I've seen come with a stone that fits into the sheath. Oh, that's very, very handy. A little diamond sharpener, a little ceramic sharpener, just something to repair that age if you need to. Hey, listen, I just want to tell you about a couple of books that you need to add to your collection and give as gifts. I highly encourage that you go to Amazon and look up this title, Making Contact During Emergencies. This is information that may save your life or the life of someone you care about. If injured, lost, or found in a disaster, or another type of emergency. This book was written by Mark and Krista Lolly. I'm Krista, and Mark is my husband. Book number two that we wrote that we're especially proud of and has gotten a lot of buzz is entitled Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This is a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. And when we say practical prepping, we mean the type of emergencies you're going to find yourself in day in and day out. Car emergencies, dead batteries, flat tires, storm damage, the roof has gotten blown off, you find that you have no power, no electricity, no devices are working. These kinds of things are happening to somebody somewhere every single day. And we were astonished when we did a little research to find that a vast majority of people found themselves woefully unprepared for one or more of these types of emergencies. And particularly after this COVID year that we've experienced, I think a whole lot more of us are paying closer attention to things like grocery store supply chains, the ability to be able to buy gas, the ability to be able to move freely about, or what's going to happen if we do have to stay home for three weeks solid. Practical Prepping for Everyday People by Mark and Krista Lawley, also making contact during emergencies. Go to Amazon, look these up, add these to your collection. We sure appreciate it. 
Talk about cordage a little bit. Yes, we were actually talking about paracord cordage. And I was under the mistaken impression that all paracord is the same, and it's not. Mm -hmm. Mark was able to let me understand that real genuine, what's known as 550 paracord, that's your Cadillac of paracords. If you're going to really want a paracord, you can really depend on 550. And you know where the word paracord came from? No, I do not. It was parachute cord. Parachute cord. Okay, paracord. So naturally, you're going to want the best paracord if you're going to be jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. I'm not going to be jumping out. If I go out of a perfectly good airplane, somebody threw me out. And he's going to be a little scratched up, too. Well, we think that if you're going to carry the 550-weight paracord, that a 50-foot to 100-foot roll, and it's, it's, you know, you can get it in a... I don't know how they knot it up or, or it's folded co- back coil and it. forth yeah. and then wrapped around and around and around. It's a seven strand. So you could actually cut a section of paracord and then de-strand it if you needed like a fishing line exactly. or some kind of a smaller if you're trying to tie something. And if you've got a sail needle, a large mm-hmm. sewing needle. Those are usually kind of curved, they, aren't they? They do, but mm-hmm. they've got a large eye. Right. And you could use one of the seven strands in the paracord for sewing, for fishing, for anything like that. Interesting. use. We like repurposing different things for different uses. And that's right. good to know. And you can use paracord to replace a shoestring, a boot string. Mm-hmm. Anything that needs stringing. <laughs> you can string it between between two trees, throw a tarp over it, and make a shelter. There you go. You've got at least one half half of a tent. You've got a roof over your head, and maybe another tarp can go under you, and there you've got some shelter. It certainly is better than nothing. Absolutely. Now, the paracord comes in a couple of different sizes. We talk about the 550 cord when we're talking about paracord, usually. Will the label actually reflect that? Yes. Okay. Yes. But you can also get 325 paracord. Okay, that's going to be lighter. It's lighter. It's smaller in diameter. It only has three strands instead of seven. I see. Now, the 550 and the 325, that's the, it's supposed to hold a load of 550 pounds on that one cord or Hmm. 325. Oh, I see. Now, the 325 being smaller, maybe a little bit harder to work on some projects that you're doing. But there's a place for both. Obviously, it's not for repelling or something like that. Mm-hmm. Although you could loop it around a tree and use it to walk yourself down a steep incline, mm-hmm. but not okay. repelling with it, something okay. like that. So paracord, maybe even carrying both weights, and you'll have at least something. Yes, for- and there are some much smaller weights, and I don't remember the number, and I've got some in my bag I know. And we had used that at one time at a field day, ham radio field day, as a guy wire. And I'm not going to let something like that go to waste. So (laughs) I I picked it up, wrapped it. I think it's actually wrapped around a pencil. Oh, sure. Okay. And so it's it's just another option. Okay, good old paracord. Which leads us to something that you can use paracord along with, and that is to make the shelter. He was referring to it earlier. If you carry a small tarp, Maybe something like a a 6x6, an 8x8, a 10x10. You can buy tarps, T-A-R-P, tarps. You can buy them in various types of forms out of different materials and in all manner of sizes. Right, and and if you're carrying it in a get-home bag, the very thin ones are good. Yes, because they'll fold up really tight. Exactly. They're lightweight, 
and they'll do what you need to do. Now, they're not going to last an extremely long time if they're in the elements. Of course, but they're fairly inexpensive. And if you're out there in the get-home bag and you've you've been under a tarp for like seven days and on that seventh day it's just shredded to pieces, well, it's served its purpose. It, it'll and- probably <laughs> last that long with no big deal. I'm thinking about using like I use a tarp to cover the boat. Right. And when it gets shredded, you can recycle it. Right. Throw it in the recycle bin. But I no, use a no garbage. heavier tarp for that type of thing. Exactly. There are different this. thicknesses, what they call exactly. the MILs. Right. You can you can see tarp. The bigger the MIL, the thicker, thicker the tarp. It is. And the same thing with plastic. Plastic sheeting. You can right. use plastic sheeting. I noticed that you bought some and brought in to put in the bags the other day. Something like uh, what a painter might use, for right. example, some plastic sheeting to cover and protect. You may need some plastic sheeting as a as an insulator, maybe to go around you in a blanket or something for warmth or, or to keep the rain off. You know, you'll know the need that you'll have, and, and that plastic sheeting can certainly fill Absolutely. the bill if you need and it. You could make a uh, solar steel with it if you needed to. Oh, tell us about that. Well, just plastic with a rock in the middle and the evaporation collects against it and the water on that plastic runs down and drips into a container. Interesting. And so it, it, it's, it's clean, it's pure, it has evaporated from the ground and you can take water and pour it around the hole that you dig, if you dig a little hole there, and you can... Set that up a couple of feet, foot or so above the ground, and let that sun evaporate the water. Put a rock in the middle of it over the container, and it'll run down and drip into that. Fantastic. It doesn't give you a lot of water fast, but it... It's better. It's, it's better. It than might one. be the drink that makes a difference. Absolutely. Another so. thing you can also find in camping stores or camping sections of department stores is a mylar emergency blanket. They're silver. They look like a large piece of aluminum foil, only they're just much lighter, and it's more like a plastic fabric type of right. thing. It, and it's it, it's a heat reflective. It's mylar, and I have used these. I've, I've used them in the woods when it was like ten degrees and. I was trying to shield from the wind and the cold, and I wrapped one around my legs, and that made the difference in me being able to stay where I was for the day. Interesting. They're also good if you come upon a wreck and somebody is going into shock. You can provide some heat or warmth for them. These things reflect a lot of body heat, and so they're very good for keeping folks warm. It's, and it fits beautifully inside the get-home bag. Oh, yeah. They they fold. Uh, they come about a, I don't know, three by five and a half. Yeah, it depends on the, the size. Folded up yeah, something like absolutely. that, and, and they're, they're relatively inexpensive, and you probably never get it folded back up like that, so just consider them disposable. Mm-hmm. And you can use those for other things as well. You can use them to reflect heat to something. Think about building a fire, putting this blanket, this Mylar emergency blanket on the other side and reflecting the heat back toward you. That would be a great idea. Like if you had a built a fire like close to a cave wall mm-hmm. or a large stand of scrubber trees, and you've got to do this safely so that you don't start or a wildfire. Rock overhang, comes yeah, a rock overhang, and then yes, you can make you can drape that mylar behind it, and now suddenly you're you're amplifying your exactly. heat ability. That's it. You're so smart. I'll cut that part out. 
Let's talk about security. Okay. Well, security, now this, again, this depends on your country, your state, your city, your particular situation. There are options. Uh, We like the idea of carrying firearms. The United States has the Second Amendment in our Constitution, although it's under assault. It's something that we've enjoyed. And we're not able to carry firearms in every state or in every city. But if you are allowed to, we certainly advocate that. And we're going to talk about a few of those in a minute. But there's some other options if you can't carry a firearm. There's some non-lethal weapons. Some of these are non-lethal. and some Or less lethal. Less lethal is a better word mm-hmm. for one that's not on our list, but I was talking about the other day. But mace, you can carry mace. Uh, you can carry pepper spray. Now, in some places, those are not allowed, Hmm. but I don't know of anywhere that you can't have bear spray in your bag because you could be out hiking where the bears are. You could. So I always want to have me some bear spray. Bear spray is good to have on hand, and it's a if it can knock a bear down, it can. Oh uh, yes, it It, can do the job. Repel a two hundred and fifty pound guy, no problem. But if it's bear spray, it's in my bag in case I'm hiking where the bears are, then they're not charging me with carrying mace or carrying pepper spray if it's illegal in that particular jurisdiction. Okay. Now, the bear spray, like what I'm saying here is it's less conspicuous. Exactly. Now, another thing that you can have, a lot of people don't think about this as a weapon, for defense, but and it'll cost you a dollar and a sock. You put a hundred pennies in the end of a sock and you tie that sock off and you swing that thing, that's a pretty good weapon. That's gonna that's gonna leave a mark. It's gonna leave a mark <laughs> or it's gonna put them on the ground. Yeah, it or, might knock somebody out. Exactly. Mm. And you know, if you need protection, knocking them out's a good thing to do. Now you can put a little more room between you and them before they wake up. So Okay. All right. Now, we talked. We mentioned firearms. We particularly would have our EDC firearm with us. That is on us all the time. Where we are allowed to carry those, it is on us. If we're in a get-home situation, we've got that. But there are some other options, and I know some folks that keep these in their bag. Uh, they keep them in their vehicle, something like that, to be able to pull out if they need to. One of those is some of these 45 long Colt slash 410 pistols. One, I think Taurus makes one called the Judge. It will shoot 410 caliber shotgun shell or 410 gauge shotgun shells, and it will shoot 45 long Colt pistol shells. Versatile. Yes, interchangeable. Now, here's the beauty of that. If you're just carrying the 410, you've got the option of double alt buck or triple alt buck, something like that. And it's three pellets, very, very deadly for larger game. You know, if you needed to hunt for a deer, you could do that at a short range, of course, a very short range in this particular case. But you can use a slug, and that's a much larger piece of lead going out the end of that barrel. But you could also carry what we call birdshot game loads. 
Number okay. six, number seven, number eight. That'd be good for squirrels, birds, rabbits, rabbits. You know, anything, any any small game you should be able to take with the game load or the bird shot out of a 410 at a reasonably close distance. Now, I'm not talking five or 10 feet, but you're not going to reach out there like you will with a 28-inch barrel on a 410. I see. But it's just something to consider. Now, another thing is a breakdown survival rifle. Some of these, I think they go by the designation AR-7. Now, when these things came out, they were originally designed for the Air Force survival kits that were carried in all of the airplanes. If they had to bail out, they had a 22 rifle, and these things, the barrel unscrews and goes into the stock, and it floats. So they were a great little rifle for camping and things. Some of the earlier civilian models had some problems to them, and they didn't feed as reliably. But Henry has that figured out. The Henry AR-7 rifle is an awesome little rifle. I think it floats. Everything goes in the handle. You can put it in a backpack, and it's there if you need it. And it shoots .22. Shoots .22 long rifle, which you can carry a whole lot of those in a small area. If you can find them. (laughs) You could put 50 of those in your bag. We're actually going to do a podcast on uses for empty medicine bottles. And a medicine bottle would be a good place to store 22 caliber shells. Mm -hmm. Especially some of these larger, taller prescription bottles we're seeing. Some that are about four or five inches tall, maybe a couple inches around. You could put 40, 50 rounds in that and and have a good supply of them. That's a gracious plenty. Anyway. Okay, so what we're just basically saying is it's time to check your get-home bag. Change things out for the season. If you've got winter gear in there like winter clothing and winter hunting-type socks, it's probably a good time to rotate those out to lighter weight socks and the types of sneakers that would be comfortable. You really do need to consider having some good, what I call broken-in walking shoes. Don't buy a brand-new pair of shoes, never wear them, and put them in your get-home stash because you don't really know how comfortable they may be. And you may be walking for miles and miles and miles, and that's not going to work in high heels or flip-flops, I can tell you. No, and you and I were talking about this the other day when we were going somewhere, and you were putting on a pair of sandals. Right. And We talked about it. We talked about, if I'm at work, I'll be three days getting home if I have to hoof it. And he's got comfortable shoes on, so. I've got boots on. Right. But I wear them every day. They're broken in. And so that's not a great big problem, but you need to have a pair of walking shoes. And one good thing to do here is when you buy a new pair of walking shoes, put the old ones in the car. Exactly. Put the broken one in, broken, broken, I can say this better. The ones that are broken in and comfortable, still good enough to use. I mean, they really are good, but you're just to the point that you don't really want to wear them out in everyday wear. Let them be your walk-home shoes because you'll know they'll be comfortable and they'll do the job. And you could be two, three days, possibly even four, depending on where you are. Occasionally, you could be a four-day walk from home. And you really don't want to be doing that in sandals, flip-flops, something Mm -hmm. like that. So rotate that seasonal clothing. Keep those walking shoes in there. Check your toolkit. Make sure you still have everything in it you need, the hammers, screwdrivers, you know, things like that, pliers, 
adjustable wrench. Mm -hmm. Small tools, just everyday small tools. Small tools, have those. You need to have a first aid kit, and they can vary from the very smallest, almost pocket-sized first aid kits up to a full-blown case and all first aid kits. So consider what your needs would be what you would like to have if you needed it in a first aid kit. You'd want to include antiseptic ointment, sprays, creams, gauze, that sort of thing. And in our cars, we have about a six by eight. I think we paid about 20 bucks each for them. And they have your band-aids, your creams, your ointments. Alcohol wipes. Alcohol wipes, bandages, gauze. Sanitizer. And so it's a good balance Now, we're not going to treat major trauma with it. Right. We can't set any compound fractures with that kit. Sitting right here beside our desk is a metal first aid box. And that thing, who knows how many years that thing is. But it's got the same things. It's got your gauze, your... Uh, Medicinal tape to tape the gauze. Obviously, bandages, band-aids, and antiseptic skin burn ointments. And this one is sitting where it is. We know where it is. It's quick to grab if we need it in the house mm-hmm. or out in the yard. So exactly. That's why it's sitting right here. And if you're past the freezing temperatures of weather, add about a gallon of water to your get-home bag or what we call your car stash. Well, to put it in the car, yes. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be backpacking that gallon of water. No. Probably That's just to not, keep in the but, car. But it's yeah. there if you get stuck in traffic, if you're broken down, if you need it. Have used it to put it in a radiator after putting duct tape on a radiator hose. You oh, know, yes. Uh, you can get that thing cooled down a little bit. Now, you got to let it cool down before you go pouring cold water into, yes, you do. into a hot engine. friend of ours from high school got a bad, bad burn dealing with a radiator. I think he was opening the radiator. He was opening the radiator, and he got sprayed in the face with scalding steam, and it left some scarring mm-hmm. burns on his skin, on his face. You need to know what you're doing if you do that, or just let it cool down before you do it. But what I'm saying... Do not pour cold water into a hot engine. You can crack the block. Exactly. And that is expensive. But that gallon of water, extra gallon of water, you could, you know, if you did have to hoof it home, pull out your bottles, top your bottles off. I'm subject to reach and grab that clean canteen when we're driving and I want water and I don't have another bottle of water sitting up there. I'll reach and grab it. And that gallon of water, if we had to hoof it, I could top it off. So it's just good to have. You can use it in normal situations. So That's being a practical prepper. Anything else you can think of tonight? I think that covers a get-home bag. But just remember to take your get-home bag out. Take everything out of it. Change what needs to be changed. Rotate what needs to be rotated. And replace and replenish the things that need replacing and replenishing. All right. See you next time. We would appreciate it if you would consider supporting our podcast by buying us a cup of coffee. You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practical prep. Thank you for listening to the podcast today, and please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info, and our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.